The time has finally come for us to kick off the NHL season, but first, we have to give you our predictions. Your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Lockdown Flames. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Jess Belmosto, joined by my co-host, Nick Zararis. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Nick, last night, Connor Bedard didn't have a goal. Both of the early two, the first two games yesterday were pretty entertaining. The Tampa Bay game got very silly there in the third period where Nashville took a couple penalties and let Tampa Mm -hmm. get back in the game right in the middle of the point where I think Ryan Callahan was the color commentator. We're saying Tampa Bay really needs to catch a break here. They haven't looked good. They've slept walk through the first 45 minutes of the game and then they scored on two consecutive power plays. So they got exactly what they needed and then the pittsburgh chicago game was pretty entertaining i was moderately amused from trying to remember who's on what team especially when we're talking about a team like the blackhawks where they have significant roster turnover every offseason because they're still in the rebuilding stage where there's a lot of guys like i pride myself on being in the know understand knowing yeah. who's on what team there are a lot of guys on that blackhawks team i have never heard of before and like i want enough hockey that to the level that is probably concerning like like i was in a party with a couple of my friends on discord watching hockey playing xbox Mm -hmm. and my one friend goes who's that i go i don't know you don't know and that's when you know yeah we're we're talking about npcs in the chicago bottom (laughs) six and then the night game good for vegas they got to get a nice blowout win when they hung up their banner the slot machine was a cute was a golden knights have fully embraced camp as part of their aesthetic and i respect it they have a coherent they have a coherent they have a coherent approach to their team identity. And part of that is camp is over the top silliness, ridiculousness, and they've leaned into it and it's worked well for them. And we're going to talk more about Vegas and Chicago and all these other teams here on today's episode. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. And of course on YouTube as well. So in true NHL season, tradition we are doing predictions and we're gonna start with the divisions who's making the playoffs and who's squeaking in by the skin of their teeth let's go right to left we'll go time we'll go eastern to west we'll go across like time zones we'll start i'd say let's do the metro first because that's probably the easier one as opposed to the atlantic i have the devils winning and the Rangers and Canes following right behind them. I think that that is, they're definitely a more competitive division than I feel like they once were, but they're changing. The tides have turned. It's no longer the Islanders, the Penguins, and the Capitals. It There's finally some uh, fresh blood there. Yeah, no, the Devils were bad for about eight years. They had one good year in that eight-year window where Taylor Hall won MVP and they made the playoffs. But last year was kind of the the planting of the flag that, okay, we're here. We're going to be a real contender for the next couple of years. And there's nothing to indicate that won't be the case this year. Uh, I, I think... Any configuration of those two, those three teams could finish in any order, and it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest bit. Where if the Rangers get a Vesna ish year from Shesterkin, that can more than make up the eight. The Hurricanes won the division with 114 standings points, and the Rangers finished in third with 105. 
a 930 goalie that can make up your difference of eight to nine standings points. The Devils, I don't know if they'll be able to rattle off like that 12, 13 game winning streak that they did earlier in, I want to say November of last year, early on where they really got off to a hot start and that kind of buoyed their point total, even when they slowed down later in the year. But yeah, those, those three teams are clearly the three best teams in that division and are, and realistically, they're probably the three best teams in the Eastern Conference altogether. What a change from like yeah. the last five to seven years. You know, it's usually the Atlantic that's the beast. And, you know, like the Atlantic is still good, but I think it's safe to say that the Metro has just, they've taken over. Yeah, for sure. The teams in the Atlantic that were very good, Toronto, Boston, Tampa Bay, they got older. They didn't replace their guys with newer guys. And they've hung on to the same core for an extended period of time. And Tampa more than likely will be fine. They're going to have to endure a first eight weeks or so without Vasilevsky. And we'll see where they are come December. But I am inclined to believe in that group just based on the experience they have. The Metro is more top-heavy. The teams at the top of the Metro are better than the teams at the top of the Atlantic. If you wanted to say the Leafs were better than maybe Carolina or the Rangers, sure, it's an argument, it's a conversation. But Boston, Tampa, Florida, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit, that next tier into that middle where any of those teams are – all of those teams are coming into the season wanting to be – wildcard teams that that's the goal for that lower tier of buffalo ottawa detroit that's their goal who do you have winning the atlantic i have in my order i have toronto florida boston and then i have tampa as a wildcard okay yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to the i guess the big three with toronto tampa and boston i don't have much faith in boston especially just they rolled out the warm-up lines and during practice, and I was like, this is disgusting. We can just... The Bruins, the elevator pitch on the Bruins is they will be one of, if not the best defensive team in the entire <laughs> league, and they have one of the five best goals. Their margin for error is going to be a lot smaller. They are not going to be able to score as much, so they're going to be in closer games, and winning with defense and goaltending, it's just harder in the environment we exist in today in the NHL where power play opportunities are up and save percentages are down. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to win that way, even with good goaltending like Olmark and Swayman, and as good as that defense is. The Bruins mm-hmm. arguably have the best one through five one through six on the back end of any team in the entire league they're right up there with the rangers it's just a matter of if they're going to be able to score enough or not and we'll have to wait to find out the central we're moving to the center of north america here this division is very perplexing to me i feel like the pacific and central have kind of flip-flopped in terms of more competitive but i think it's going to be the wild dallas yes we do love a good dallas team and of course, I think Winnipeg, that, you know, something, something might be brewing. It might be something special. For me in the central, I have Dallas, Minnesota, Winnipeg is my one, two, three. Uh, Winnipeg is, will be fine. They won't be good. The goaltending will carry them. Dallas, I think has a real argument as the best or second best team in the entire league on paper coming into this season. It's just a matter of if everyone who performs up to expectations is a team that's going to be playing Matt Duchesne on the third line. They roll Dallas and in my opinion, has the best one through nine of any forward group in the entire league. The depth is just insane. Minnesota, they're 
just a little bit less talented than Dallas. They're a little bit too top heavy and relying on certain guys to produce the bulk of their offense, but they lucked their way into a goaltender last year, kind of by accident. They've got Kaprizov. Matt Boldy had a nice season for them last year, especially in Kaprizov's absence. He stepped up for them. Mm -hmm. Zuccarello's kind of entered that Pavelski ageless zone where you could tell me he was any age between 30 and 40. I believe you. And you couldn't tell because his game hasn't really changed that much. The Pacific division. Um, uh, do do we have Vegas finishing first? Because no, I don't I ha- think they're finishing. For, I don't think they're finishing first. Vegas is kind of like Tampa the last couple of years, where it doesn't matter what seed they finish in; they just got to get in, and then they're yeah, fine. I have Edmonton, L- Edmonton, LA, and um, Vegas. I think yes. that that feels like a pretty solid top three. I think that the Flames are going to be fighting for that wild card spot, and I, that's fine as long as they get in. That's really the the mantra, I guess, for the season. Agreed completely. I'll go quickly here. Edmonton, Vegas, LA in order, and then I think there's a good chance Calgary could finish third, but we'll talk more about the Flames. And coming up next, we are going to talk all about the awards, and uh, maybe they're going to change, uh, rename the Selkie to Bergeron, probably not this year. But right now, we're going to take a quick break and talk about sleeper sleeper is a daily fantasy app that you can use that i have downloaded on my phone it's a way to stay engaged make the games that you're really not interested in a little more fun what what's your favorite thing about fantasy sports it gives me something to talk about with my friends to constantly uh, that's the biggest thing that's the only reason anyone plays fantasy Uh, fantasy is a dumb hobby but it's fun because you get to do it with your friends it is totally random there is no strategy it is all luck exactly so if you want to get in and make your friends uh, talk about something new, you can download the Sleeper app and get a $100 match with your first deposit. Uh, use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's Locked on NHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us today on Locked on Flames. It's hard to believe the Flames actually play a game in about four hours from when we're recording, which is wild, but here we are. We got to talk about uh, the awards. We got Hart, Norris Calder, the Selkie Bergeron, and then Coach of the Year. So I'll give you the non-Connor McDavid's for the Hart because there's no point because he's going to put up 150 points and no one else will be close. He's unquestionably the best player in the league. So amongst the mortals, I will say my top three candidates are Jack Hughes, Ilya Sorokin, and Jason Robertson. That's my top three for the Hart. Okay. Uh, You know, I can can definitely get behind that. I think that Jason Robertson's just a gem and he he absolutely deserves more recognition in uh, across really the NHL as a whole. So I definitely can see him uh, as a finalist for that. Austin Matthews, because I feel like that's kind of a given as well. And let's see. You could chuck in there. Yeah. Kaprizov oh, yeah. in there. You, yeah. you could throw either of those guys. If you if you want to buy into, you could maybe say McCarr. If you really mm-hmm. want to say he has a crazy season. The, it, obviously, there's no rhyme or reason to this. They haven't played any games yet. <laughs> We can revisit this conversation in, say, December when we have 30 games of sample to start weeding out the field. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this – basically, McDavid's going to win the award every year because the NHL isn't like the NBA where – the NBA, they won't give you the award multiple years in a row. And if they do, they won't give it to you a third time. I disagree. Connor McDavid's the best player in the world. He is, by definition, the most valuable when he puts up 150-something points and – is undoubtedly the best player. Uh, If you wanted to say, hey, maybe there are players on less quality teams who have to do more work, okay. 
that's a different argument. But that's why I put Sorokin in there. And Jason Robertson is on a really good team. But my my theory being that if Dallas takes the leap, like I think they're going to be, where there's a good chance they could finish first or second in the entire West, he will probably flirt with a 50 goal. 42 um, last year. 50 yeah, is doable. Imagine He's having really a 40-plus goal scorer on your team. Could never be the Flames again. But Matt Coronado four years from now. Please, we're begging. Norris? Yes. This okay. one is fun because there's like seven guys you could say, and there's not really an argument against any of them. McCarr, Fox, Hampus mm-hmm. Lindholm, Charlie McAvoy, Miro Heiskanen, Quinn Hughes, Dougie Hamilton. That's eight guys right there. And any of those guys are worth, and I didn't even say Roman Yossi. I didn't no. say Victor Hedman. That's nine deep. And realistically, any of those guys could win. Uh, I think McCarr is going to get the McDavid treatment where if he keeps putting up like 80, 90 points as a defenseman, he's going to keep winning it. Argument's sake, I think based on what guys do on other teams makes them a little more valuable, like what Fox does, what McAvoy does, what Miro Heiskanen does, where they just have to bear more responsibility than McCarr. It'd be kind of fun to see McAvoy and Adam Fox nominated because for those of you who don't know, uh, they, they grew up together. And the NHL broadcast will remind you every five minutes when they're on the ice. But yeah, I mean, I feel like it really is a toss up between any of them. Like finalists, the pl- like plugging any of those in make a lot of sense. Quinn Hughes deserves a little bit more respect for his defense. I know he he's on a very bad defensive team, so he's never going to really get the respect he deserves. But his offense is great. Miro Heiskanen is somebody who was saddled with Ryan Suter for a lot of last year and was still great. McAvoy is so good that the Bruins realized, okay, we can split him and Lindholm up and then have control of the game for 40 minutes at a time. Lindholm is somebody who's down ballot, like probably like 10th or 11th. He's mm-hmm. that good as well. As far as like guys making the leap, if you wanted to say someone like Shabbat, Ooh. if you wanted to say somebody from that tier below makes a leap up, or maybe Jacob Slavin puts up more counting stats to go with his elite defense. That's really where it gets interesting as far as conversation wise. But realistically, I think the three best defensemen are Fox McCarr and McAvoy. And if any of them win the Norris, wouldn't be surprised. Is Eric Carlson in this conversation at all? Now that I have no in- idea. Eric Carlson's entire argument was counting stats last mm-hmm. year. His defense left a lot to be desired, but his counting stats were so good. A lot of writers were willing to overlook his defense. I don't know if he's going to play as much and have the same amount of opportunity to convert as many points. Carlson can probably put up 70 points on that Penguins team. That's not going to get you in the Norris conversation, though. So we'll, d- we'll just have to wait and see. That, again, another theme of the Flames season. Baby trophy. Bedard, Fantilli, Devin Levy, Devin Levi, Luke Hughes in the conversation. I'm talking about down ballot, like people who are get invited to the awards. It's yeah, Messi about- Coronado is not. No, 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 no. no it would take something. Unfortunately, things yes, would have... Would- a lot of things would have to go wrong for that to happen. Maybe Logan Cooley can get invited if he has a strong season. There, There's a good crop of guys. This is the best Calder field in quite a few years. Yeah, and it's exciting. I think it's just fun to watch this next generation come up because they make you feel incredibly old. And when they ask you questions, like, do you know what Snapchat or Riz is? But Let's do these real quick. Selkie, Nico Heischer, <laughs> Mitch Marner. I'll give you a hot take. Jack Eichel. Oh, he played four minutes on the penalty kill last night. I, I could see a world where Jack, where Jack Eichel takes a step defensively. That would definitely be a dark horse. I really think it'll be um, Heischer, Marner, and they're going to have to throw someone from the West in there. So whoever 
that's going to be because it's not going to be one of the flames. It could be Michael Backlund. He was like fifth or sixth last year yeah. in Selkie voting. Everyone will feel bad because he's old. Like exactly. the year they gave Yager the, uh, what's Masterson? the... Yeah, the Masterson just for being old. That's another one that when that comes out, it's like, okay, half of these guys are, they're just old. That's yeah, that's their I, consolation, I guess. And then real quick for coach of the year, I the way we typically give coach of the year out is the coach who exceeds expectations the most. Um, I hate doing that because that's just like giving them credit for the players playing better than they expected as opposed to like them actively making a difference. So for the purposes of this conversation, I will say somebody who has never won it before. I will say, and this might be a little hot takey, but I'll say Mike Sullivan wins it with Pittsburgh. They finish like third in their division. Maybe they win a wild card and he pieces it together because he's been a really good coach in the NHL for quite a while. He's got the cups. He's got the resume and he's going to have his work cut out for him. The Penguins are very top heavy. They don't have great goaltending, but I can see a world where Mike Sullivan does it. I'm going to say Ryan Huska. I, call Hopefully. me a I mean, I think that he has quite a tall task ahead of, ahead of him and hopefully there's some success ahead. God willing. Yep. We got 81 games after tonight, so we'll have to see. But coming up next, we're going to wrap up the show with some Flames predictions. Before we move into that, today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. We are big proponents and advocates for uh, taking care of yourself and your mental health is just as important as your physical health. And BetterHelp is there for you to help make your life a little bit easier and work through those trying times. If you're thinking of starting BetterHelp, it is completely remote and online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash LockdownNHL today to get 10% off of your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash LockedOnNHL. And before we move on, we're going to talk about Jace Medical too, because uh, Jace Case provides five antibiotics that you may need at any given moment. All it takes to get a Jace case is uh, to fill out a simple online form and in some case, jump on a quick call with one of our board certified physicians. You can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment related questions, doctor created, doctor recommended. Everyone should be empowered to take care of themselves, especially it's cold and flu season. We don't stay prepared. But get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using code LOCKEDON at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Flames, they're here. We're going to watch Flames hockey tonight. Real Flames hockey. Yeah. Not just preseason. So you have them as a wild card team. <laughs> I think that's about where I would have them as well. Maybe there's a world where they're third in the division, but I don't see them being ahead of Vegas, Edmonton, excuse me. So third or one of the wild cards is a realistic expectation for them this season. I think that's fair too, because again, you're not setting the bar so high that it's unattainable. And then you just have a pile of disappointment when winning the division doesn't happen. But I think a lot of it is also just gonna have to go 
the exact opposite of last season. And my biggest concern right now is Jacob Markstrom. Goaltending is impossible to predict. Even the most competent stats people who design the models themselves will tell you predicting goaltending is impossible because so much of it is environment-based. And the biggest indicator of goaltender success is often environment because luck is part of that environment. We talk about how the Flames had the unluckiest season ever last year. Part of that was the goaltending couldn't get lucky. They could not get a save at a key time. They lost all those one goal games they lost all those games in overtime those are of not all of that is bad luck some of that is bad luck we're talking about four games three games being the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs last year that's not a lot they're talking about four goals going the other way in the flames favor over the course of 82 that's not a big swing in terms of luck so in terms of the goaltending it's you hope the long offseason did markstrom well a hard reset come into the season with a fresh a fresh outlook on things, a better environment, and hope the environment being positive will lead to positive results on the It really does speak volumes about seven players allegedly put in those trade requests. All of them were supposedly rescinded, I guess, except for Toffoli, if he was one that put one in. I think conversation with Noah Hannafin at the end of last season and start of the summer was, I want to go back to America. Now, now again, we're in the wait and see situation. So what do you think is the final decision with Noah Hannafin? I think they, I... When I did the episode by myself last week, I said they trade him player for player. They get somebody right back who can play right away. I would imagine it's probably going to be a forward just based on simple math. There are more forwards in the NHL than defensemen. But if they could get somebody with a little more upside, somebody with upside, that's more than likely what you would get in a player for player for Noah Hannafin on an expiring is somebody who's probably like 23 or 24 who needs a little bit more opportunity who has a little bit more team, who has like two or three years of team control. That's the kind of profile of the player I'd imagine. Somebody who's probably on a third line somewhere who hasn't really caught on yet, but with a little more opportunity can be something more. That would be neat. I mean, I, I feel like Flames have enough defensive depth. I mean, there's not going to be Noah Hannafin, but they have room to move players up. Especially if they don't, the biggest thing is you don't want to lose guys for nothing. Flames cannot afford to lose useful players like Noah Hannafin for nothing. If you cannot, he doesn't want to stay. You can't let him leave for nothing. No, no, absolutely not. And we really, we don't need, I mean, it won't be to the magnitude of Johnny Gaudreau, but that's the exact situation that Craig Conroy wants to avoid. So let's avoid it. You would think, yeah. I understand wanting to play things out to some degree and not set yourself up to a kind of ultimatum where like someone has to make a decision, someone has to blink. But at the end, you got to do what's best for the team. You don't want to screw the player over. You'll say, hey, we're going to trade you. Is there anywhere you want to go? Okay, we can try and do that. But at the end of the day, I got to do what's right for the Flames. I will be here next year. You won't if you don't sign an extension or if I don't trade you. Got to draw the line somewhere. And, you know, we're all about player autonomy and whatnot. But sometimes as a general manager, you have to put your foot down. And that's okay. It, It is. You have to. You have to look out for your team. There is an ethical way to look out for your team, yeah. but you have to look out for your team. Do you have any bold predictions or anything like that? I'll give you... I will say Kadri leads the team in points for the season. Okay. Rasmus Anderson finishes top seven in Norris voting this year. Okay. 
I, yeah, no, I can definitely get behind those. Um, I, I think Jonathan Huberto has 80 points. I think that's, we're, we're going to stick at number, I guess. And I will say that Rasmus Anderson is the first flame to use pride tape. Okay. I can see that for sure. Yeah. Well, anything else before we sign off for today? The flames win tonight. Oh yeah. That, that would be a good one that will cross our fingers for that one. So yes, tune in to the flames as they take on the jets tonight, 10 Eastern eight mountain, get a, get your coffee ready, get your Celsius, your energy drinks, whatever you're drinking ready. And we're here for you every day five days a week on your favorite podcast platforms and, of course, on YouTube as well. You can find us on Twitter at Jess Belmosto and at Nick Zararis. Any parting words? Let's go flame. On video. Whoops. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.